Hello, this is Scott Bolden, and I would like to welcome you to another edition of SBM Studios Podcast. Again, we'd like to welcome everybody back to our second episode of SBM Studios Podcast. We're thankful that you joined us again today, and we're very tickled to have a special guest in the studio with us today, or at least over the cell phone in the studio with us today, and one of my best friends in the world and former football coach at South Lamar High School, Coach Brad Carroll, and we're tickled to have him with us, and I'm going to let him give you a little background and a little introduction uh, about himself right now. So, Brad, take it away. All right, Scott. I appreciate you having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, ever since you uh, first mentioned it to me. Um, right, like you said, I'm I'm right here in uh, Duluth, Georgia, um, and I am the offense um, offensive coordinator for the freshman team, football team, and uh, special teams coordinator for the varsity football team at Peachtree Ridge High School. Uh, we just finished uh, year eight at Peachtree Ridge. It seems like it doesn't seem like I've been here that long, but uh, that's that's where we are uh, going into year nine. And uh, originally from originally from Gordo, Alabama, not just right down the road from me, and uh, graduated from Troy University, you know, where I met my wife Allison, uh, and uh, we left there. Got married in 1995 after we both graduated from Troy and went to Florida for my first job as an offensive line coach at Walton High School in the Phoenix Springs, Florida for six years. And we left there, went back to, came back to Alabama. I was the offensive, offensive line coach and linebacker coach at Gulf Shores High School for one year. Uh, and then got the head coaching job at South Lamar. Uh, when Coach Byers retired in 2002 and stayed there until 2008 and uh, left there and went to, came to Georgia and worked at, and I did all different kinds of things at um, Chapel Hill High School in Douglasville, Georgia. I was there for four years. Uh, it was a great experience. Um, and like I said, I was offensive line coach, uh, linebacker coach, offensive coordinator a couple of times, uh, all kinds of things while we were there. And then came here to Peachtree Ridge um, as a linebacker coach in 2012, I guess it was. Uh, and uh, one of the, the, the connection there was uh, the head coach here at Peachtree Ridge at the time was a guy named Mark Fleetwood. And he was the secondary coach at Troy when I was a, a GA there and uh, we kept in touch over the years and he was looking for a linebacker coach and I was looking to make a change and you know, so I wound up here at Peachtree Ridge. Um, uh, my two daughters, uh, my oldest daughter is going into her last year at Young Harris College up in Hiawassee, Georgia. She's going to be a, a kindergarten teacher. She's going to be doing her student teaching next year. Uh, and my youngest, Riley, is about ready to graduate. We had not quite figured out yet exactly what that's going to look like. Um, there's going to be a virtual version of that next Saturday. And then hopefully 
she'll get to put the cap and gown on uh, somewhere around July 17th and actually walk across the stage. So we're hoping that um, things open up enough where we can do that at that point. Uh, and my wife, Allison, uh, is a special ed teacher at Jones Middle School up in Beaufort, Georgia. Um, and she has she is, she's done a bunch of different things while following me around uh, in the coaching business. She stayed home with the kids when they were young. She was a she was a librarian at Walton when we were there. Uh, she she has been a para pro in special education, and then now she's gotten her uh, teacher certificate and uh, has found her niche. I think as far as what she's supposed to be doing, uh, she has discovered that she is a middle school teacher. I, uh, God bless her. I'm glad that somebody. Uh, can do that because I don't think I could. Now, I've been in, I've been teaching seniors in high school for well, I guess the last five years now, and uh, I've kind of gotten used to that, that's my little niche, uh, and so it's uh, that's that's kind of a overview of um, how we got to this point. Fantastic, and uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, we all have our calling and our gifting, and that's like with me with the youth ministry. I've always been more geared to those older kids you know at least now with me at least seventh grade and up so that is in the middle school range but um, if I had to do the elementary range um, I would probably have to uh, have some hands laid on me and have a whole lot of prayer or something because I'm just not quite gifted in that direction I do well with the older kids yeah I couldn't do it I couldn't do it either I you know whatever Whatever you know, high school kids, whatever the class in social studies, I could just about go in there and get the job done. But um, facing a room full of kindergartners or first graders, and my heart would melt into my shoes. I'm, not sure. <laughs> I'm with you, but yeah, I appreciate you giving us that background. And uh, yeah, I, I, your family's special to me. Um, we grew close over your time here uh, in South Lamar. And uh, I was thinking about that and taking a little trip down memory lane. I still remember the first time that I met you. Um, I remember it was in the circle of South Lamar. Uh, Y'all had been hired in to become the coach at South Lamar. And there was some folks that wanted to have us make a connection. And I think it all kind of circled around as far as living arrangements, places to live, and there was a lot that was available next door to us, and I just remember meeting you for the first time in that circle, and I don't know how first impressions were in my direction, but I remember, and it's funny, I'm going to share some things a little bit down the road, but I remember my first take on you was a very stoic personality you know kind of at first it was a little bit hard to read and I was like well I don't really know if he like if he's gonna like me or not but uh I remember that do you remember that yeah I, I do I remember I remember I had uh I had been in the office um and that was I mean I hadn't even I'd only been there a couple of days I guess and I was trying to you know still learn I didn't know what a copy machine was at that point and uh <laughs> I was trying to figure out, you know, how to get practice organized and, you know, what we were going to do when and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I, I walked out the door and uh, and we talked right out front there. I remember that. Sure do. And you're not the first person to say that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, and it's odd. It's it's odd because at in in out in the public, the um, 
people have no problem approaching me. Like, I mean, people ask me to pick if I can reach stuff on the top shelf (laughs) at Walmart. There's, they don't have any problem. And just last week, me and the girls were up here at the anytime fitness where we go and work out in the mornings. And, uh, a lady came up to me and asked me to show her how to use one of the machines. And, uh, all these girls were giving me a hard time about it and saying that I needed to get a shirt that said staff on it or something. So that, <laughs> That's funny. Um, people would ask me questions. But now in my role as a coach and a teacher, I've had, I've had several other people say that their first impression of me was that I was a little bit unapproachable. And so I don't, I don't really, I don't really plan it that way. I don't really, you know, I, I it just, I don't know. I, I've always, I've never taken myself that seriously, but I take what I do very seriously. Oh, yeah. It's important yeah. to me to do, you know, have all my ducks in a row and try to do a good job because in what we do, we're asking the kids to work really hard. And I feel like, you know, I should take my part seriously and all that and try to put together the best plan that I can. And so that's, I don't know. That's just, uh, that's funny that you say that because that's not the first time I've heard that. Well, it's, it's it's good stuff, and uh, you know we 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 did hit it off, um, and and I was yeah, very appreciative, very appreciative of the way that you welcomed me in as a a volunteer. Uh, at that time, that was uh, Garrett was just a uh, little. No, 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 there was no Garrett. Wait, let me back up. No, when you first came, there was no Garrett. Um, you came right. in 2002, and he was born in 2003. So that was during the time I had just started doing the youth ministry at Kennedy Baptist yep. in 2001, and you came in in 2002. So you were there in that yep. time where I was volunteering a lot of time in the school already with the FFA quartets and Scholars Bowl and different things like that. And and after we hit it off, you welcomed me in and, and let me hang around with you and, and help you out with the, the football stuff. I remember I think the, the thing that I did the most was probably the filming uh, I've got some funny yeah. memories on that with with different things, but um, one thing is, is you told me pretty quick into it that when you and the coaches or the team were watching, y'all had to turn the volume down because I hollered and talked too much while I was uh, videoing for you. So I, I remember that, and and then one of the <laughs> one of the funniest things I remember is when we were playing a school not too far down the road and uh, it was a team I think that was supposed to beat us and um, during the course of play on a kickoff there was a crackback block that was and it was it was pretty nasty we uh, one of our guys ate up one of their best guys and uh, this place is kind of a rough place to play and I remember me and coach Mitchell sitting in the press box and all them folks turned around because we were on their home side and they started cussing us like dogs. And I mean, I remember specifically seeing one woman, she never dropped the cigarette out of her mouth when she was cussing us. Uh, and, and over the headset that coach Mitchell had, you apparently had heard what we were getting. And after that game, when coach Mitchell and I were coming down, we looked up and y'all had sent about three or four big old guys from South Lamar over to our side to help us out. Cause obviously <laughs> I'm way too little to uh, get in the middle of a ruckus. So that was much appreciated. You were looking out for us, but do you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I, even, I even remember a couple of the guys that went 
over there. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, I can call her names. I'll just let, I'll we'll let that lie. But that was good stuff. But <laughs> we uh, our friendship grew, and uh, I I really appreciated it, and I love being a part of it. Uh, I was thinking a couple of things, takeaways. I remember right at the at the end, uh, right before that you did move to Georgia, we had talked about you were actually going to be gracious enough to let me kind of start being under your wing a little bit on the coaching side and didn't that never materialized but I was tickled with that and thankful uh, for that but the friendship that grew uh, was huge to me and that's one thing that has not waned to me since you moved I know there's a lot of miles between us but our friendship has stayed intact and you know one of the most powerful memories from the coaching time that you had at South Lamar and it really, and we'll talk about this with ministry and coaching a little bit in, few, in a few moments, but as I said, I was in the middle of a youth ministry, and, and the South Lamar School was a huge part of my youth ministry, uh, even though, you know, only a few of those students went to Kennedy, where I was a youth pastor. I, I believed in putting time into the school, and we connected largely on that, and one of my favorite memories of your time was I think it was the last two or three years or so, but every Tuesday morning, uh, you and Coach Harper and myself would meet at the field house way before anybody got to the school. And uh, we had a time of devotion and a time of prayer and uh, praying over families and, and students and faculty and the school and anything else that came to mind. Um, I remember that all was taking place in the time when uh, my family had some sickness and a diagnosis came into play in my family and I remember Coach Harper's daughter uh, there was health issues in that place and then there were some other things we were all dealing with and that was just a very powerful time and something I miss greatly that time of fellowship and friendship and it meant a lot to me to know that uh, two coaches from the school uh, cared enough about uh, the kids and the students and uh, to meet like that and and to pray over them, uh, not just every once in a while, but it was it was on the calendar every Tuesday we met, and that's uh, well, that's one of my favorite memories. Yeah, mine too, and I, I still think about that sometimes on Tuesday mornings when I'm driving to school. Um, and it, um, you know, I wasn't able to get, I wasn't able to do that exact thing, you know, at some of the other places um, that I've been. Uh, and but no, but fortunately, um, last fall, myself and one of the other coaches here, Coach Myers at Peachtree um, Ridge, he's the um, running back coach, and he does our weight room and mm-hmm. does a great job with it. And uh, he um, he has his own ministry um, where it's it's called Difference Maker. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does all kinds of things with the kids uh, and gets them involved in community service projects and things like that and uh, just spends a lot of time investing in other people and, and does it does a great job. He's got a Facebook called I'm a Difference Maker, uh, and they do all kinds of things. And one of the things that they always do that I, I wouldn't have thought of this, but um, he, um, he gets the kids together, and there are people in the food service industry that don't get – holidays off i know things are tough in the food service industry now but um you know one thing before all this happened they were working all the time and and not getting holidays off and one of the things that they did was they took gift baskets to um people that had to work on thanksgiving day 
and uh, the uh, the Waffle House right here was one of the places that they took the gifts to and things like that. So um, he and I meet together on Wednesday mornings now. It's uh, it worked out that that was the day that we could make it all work with our schedules and everything. That's and fantastic. so we do the same thing we always used to do. Um, we get, I've got a FCA devotion book and we read about it, uh, read out of it. And then uh, I've got a, there's a section for notes in that devotion book. And I write down any prayer requests that uh, anybody has. Uh, and Coach Hughes, one of the other coaches, uh, he met with us first semester. But then second semester, his schedule changed, and he couldn't work it out. But it used to, it was it was three of us there for a while, uh, and so. But now, this second semester, until all this happened about March the twelfth, until then, it was Coach Myers and myself, and uh, so it, we're still trying to do that kind of thing and, and try to uh, do what we can to. I don't know, I, you know, it, I have to work really hard to renew my mind and. Um, to try to keep myself on the right track. It's a constant struggle. <laughs> so I need to, all of those kinds of things that I can get. And uh, the, I've told this story lots of times. I've told it to my Sunday school class. One of the my two favorite things about all that was, number one, was the, the time that you and myself and Josh spent together um, studying the Word and praying for each other and for each other's families and for the kids and stuff like that. And the other thing that I've shared with my Sunday school class numerous times was the fact that that journal that we kept where we'd write down things that we were praying about, and then we'd go back, and when those prayers were answered, we'd write the date that they were answered in a red pen somewhere near or underneath uh, what we had been praying about. And I always thought that was a really good thing, um, something that um, can be beneficial to to go back and, and see how God has done things uh, over the course of time. That's right. It was a it was a blessing indeed, and, and cherished times. And talking about cherished times, I know I want to ask you a few questions while I have you on the uh, on the line here. And talking about, I know you've had uh, several coaching stops, and if if you went through all your memories from all of those, I know you've had uh, great experiences at every stop, but. Maybe if you could just share some of your favorite memories from your coaching time at South Lamar. Well, wow, that's going to be tough because <laughs> um, there were so many of them. Right. The, uh, you know, our friendship, of course, you know, has, has always meant a lot to me. And uh, I have not done a good job of keeping in touch with people over the years because. You know, I can get busy and I can get tunnel vision and I can, you know, get focused on me and, and you know, look around and realize I hadn't talked to somebody in, in months or even years, especially especially people I worked with prior to cell phones being common. And I am that old. That, um, <laughs> when I first started coaching, my wife had a cell phone that was permanently attached to her car. Oh, wow. And that was the only one that we had. And so... You know, it, it was a, it's a lot harder to get back in touch unless they've gotten on the social media um, deal. It's really hard to reconnect with folks that you know you work with because they've gone on and you right. know, that kind of thing. So sure. I'm happy that you and I have been able to stay in touch. And, um, 
And I remember, that, like you said, that that first day that we met, and uh, you know the 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 reaching out and the you know people um, making sure that I knew that I was welcome and, and things like that, and so that meant a lot. Um, and then you know the I guess the first the first memory that is vivid is um that first win um right you know we you know we went through that that tough first season when i first got there and uh went 0 and 10 and um did you know we lost we lost four games in the middle of the season that year by a grand total of seven points that's right and you know we're just we're just really close to being able to to win a game or two there in the middle of the season and you know, I and you know that, that was that was that from the time I took that job to now was 18 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've learned a lot since then, and uh, you know I've talked to some former I've talked to several former players since then that I've been able to keep in touch with one of them real recently, um, and I apologize to them for being that they had the misfortune of playing for me when I was that young and didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was, it was a learning curve for me. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot. I didn't know too much. And we went to work after that first season and, and tried to put together, you know, do a better job of putting together a plan and that kind of thing. And the kids bought in and they were hungry to win. And so that, that first, that first win against Lamar County in 03 was, uh, that'll always be, you know, for, foremost in my mind because uh, that senior class had been through so much as sophomores and juniors and then uh, coaching James and that kind of thing. And so they fought through a lot and hung in there with me and uh, we were able to win six games that year and make it to the playoffs and that kind of thing. Um, so that was that's, – that's always – I'll never forget that. Uh, and then – Let's see. The the win, the playoff win up at Hazelwood, that mm-hmm. was a that was a big one. Yep. That was, uh, you know, we walked in, we rode into that place, and um, you know, the all the good boys that played at Alabama, and all the great players that have come through that place, and the locker room that they put us in had the, all the state championship years painted on the walls and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll never forget. I was standing outside i'd already it was pre-game it was after pre-game warm-ups and um but before it was time for us to go out and i'd already talked to the kids and i kept it brief because i was about ready to throw up and i I needed to get away from them as fast as i could so i walked on outside and uh i was standing on the field i'd already gone through the gate and the kids were still inside and it was starting to sprinkle rain, and uh, Hazelwood is right there in Town Creek, Alabama. Right. And it had started to sprinkle, and there were people everywhere that night. I mean, the place was packed, and there were some there were some old guys that were from Hazelwood that were standing right behind me. You know, as I was I was a little ways away from the fence. I don't know, maybe six, ten feet at the most. You know, out on the field, right. and they were right on the fence talking about how um, when it rains, the creek's going to rise. 
and they kept saying that over and over again. And I just, I just kind of smiled and kept my back turned to them. I never turned to look. And, uh, you know, they said something about, um, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what they said, but something about we'll be right here after the game. But you know, when I walk off the field after the game, they want nowhere to be found. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and so the, uh, the kids, the kids really, the kids really played, uh, they really they played really well that night. And then the, the other one, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll let it go with this one. But this one, I will never forget. And it was the year that Parrish came to our place. That was on my list. And they had won the state championship the year before. Yep. And they were, if I remember right, I'd have to go back and look it up because, like I said, it's been a long time. But. If I remember right, they were seven and zero, and we were seven and zero. That's correct. And it was the eighth game of the season. Yep. And they had something like the seventeen game winning streak going, or something like that. And they, you know, they had just been wearing people out all season long. And so, you know, we got the films and we went to work and uh, we put in, you know, the best plan that we could. And I didn't do anything different that that week. Um, because I don't know, I've never wanted to. I've never wanted to try to impress on the kids that one game was more important than the other, right? And that you need to, you know, you got to really play hard this game. Well, as opposed, to if you, if you say the words, you really got to play hard this week, then that implies that you didn't really have to play all that hard in the other games or the next week or whatever, right? And so. I tried not. To, I tried to keep everything as normal as possible. I tried to, you know, just put our plan in and work on us and, and do the best we could. And for whatever reason, they were really they were super locked in that week. Yes. And they were super locked in that whole year, but that particular week it really stood out to me. I guess because nobody really gave us a chance to win that game. Um, and so I went to. <laughs> I was um, I was real it, part of my pregame deal at South Lamar always was you know, we had there were several of us that were at the field house in, in the afternoons after pregame meal and uh, working the hours that I did and you know trying to do the do the job correctly I was always exhausted by then and so I tried to steal me a little power nap when yep. the, while the kids were resting, I tried to steal me a little power nap there in the office while the kids were resting. And uh, one of the coaches came and woke me up and said that Parrish is here because during that time, we didn't have a huddle and those kinds of things. And so I had two VHS tapes that the Parrish coach had given me. And so part of my pregame deal was when the other team showed up, some of the young coaches, if any young coaches hear this, they're going to think this is funny. Um, I went part of my pregame ritual was to go and meet the coach you know, when the bus pulled up and make sure that they had everything and give him his takes back and get my two. And uh, so I walked over. I gave him a few minutes to get off the bus and get settled in. And uh, I went over. And uh, Coach Gay, I think his name was, um, and I met with met with him and we talked for a minute. I gave him his tapes and he gave me mine. We stood there and talked for about 15 minutes. And um, I, while we were talking, 
he had to leave. He had to say, Coach, excuse me a minute, and walk in the locker room and yell at the kids to sit down and be quiet and be still and focus on the game and all that stuff, you know, that, that we all say. And uh, I walked back. When we got done talking, I walked back over to the office and told the coaches, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I think we got a chance because – I think that we're a little bit more focused right. than they are. Yep. You know, they're 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 used to winning, and you know they don't think much of us. And this was my impression of how that went down. Um, and you know, the other thing that we always did um, after the pregame warm up, everybody come back in, get something to drink, and uh, we'd pray, and then we turn the lights off. And the kids would just sit there. I don't. I, the, the lights off thing wasn't my idea. I don't remember even how that came about. But the kids liked it. They bought into it or whatever. So they bought. They turned the lights off. And you know, there's that drop down window between the equipment room and the locker room. Right. And then the locker room. Then the office door that goes into the equipment room is just a. You know, you can hear everything that's going on in the locker room from the coach's office. Right. And. Uh, you know, it was, you could have heard a pin drop in there. It was as quiet as it could be. And uh, those kids are sitting there in the dark. And we hear the, I, th- I guess it was, was it Channel 6 or Channel 13? It was ABC 30. It was, the, yeah, it was the ABC 3340. It was, uh, the hel- they, okay. they made it a game right. of the week. Yep. Yeah. Well, they, that helicopter flew over the field house and landed on the, um, practice field down there behind the gym. Yep. While we were sitting, while the kids were sitting in the dark in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And we went in there and turned the lights on and said, let's go. And with everybody with their helmets on and their chin strap buckled, they went out the locker room door. And back then, we all had those screw-in, all the kids wore those screw-in cleats that had the, the flat metal bottom on, yes. the, on the bottom of them because mm-hmm. the, the rubber ones were just, they'd get eaten up so bad you had to you were constantly having to change them mm-hmm. and the kids liked them because they made a nice little click clack sound <laughs> when they walked across the concrete sidewalk yeah and so they're all strapped up and they walk out of the locker room door and they're going down the sidewalk to the field and you can hear the click clack of the of the cleats as they're all walking and i believe that those kids were so focused on the job at hand that night if the, if the gym had exploded i don't think they would have turned their heads away. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'd never have forgotten how serious they were and how intense and focused. And and it showed because we went out there on the field and those kids, they played so hard and uh, executed so well that, that we just we jumped on Paris that night. And uh, they weren't used to being down and they never could recover. And so yep, that was a – that was a that was very memorable, for sure. I remember it well. That's uh, uh, several games came to my mind when I was thinking about the history and uh, special games, and they all kind of have a central theme of maybe a game when we weren't supposed to have a chance. Um, even that first win you spoke about uh, against Lamar County, that one was not really expected coming off of the prior season, and and, and there you go and. And then you're moving on, and you have the game, like you mentioned, and I remember an ACA game where it was down to who had the ball last, and they were supposed to dance all over us, and it was a good time. But, yeah, that Parish game um, is special to me, too. I remember uh, so much of what you just said, 
And that was one where something happened and our regular PA announcer uh, was not going to be able to be there. And I remember uh, the school, somebody at the school could have been you. Somebody asked me what I consider doing the PA announcing. So I actually did the PA announcing for that game. And the humorous thing I say is, is because the, um, the one who's doing the PA during the time kind of went over with me about now. You got to be real plain and call it real straight. You know, don't do anything kind of. Can't be a fan. Call, <laughs> call it straight. And which in my mind, I'm thinking now, every dadgum stadium that we go to, the announcers, you can tell that it's home field. And so I remember <laughs> I had a student that jumped in with me, James Kilpack, or a former student. But we got up in there. He was my spotter. We didn't sit down through that whole game. And, I mean, I remember, you know, when we scored a touchdown, I would put it to it, touchdown, Stallions, you know, and just really kind of got energy and excited about it. And then I never got asked to do it again. So I thought, well, I guess I did have too much energy. Or I just, uh, I don't know. I I, I just, I, I thought it didn't need to sound like we was at a funeral. I thought we needed to be at a home ball game. So uh, I, I remember that. But uh, that, that was a great game and lots of good memories. And I know in your coaching career, uh, just like everybody has uh, kind of a stamp put on them from experience or from mentors. But if you had to choose or pick an influence, uh, maybe it's a coach or a former coach, who, who would you say kind of influences you, influenced you as a player and a coach through your career? Um, well, if we're, if we're talking about just, um, coaches and um you know men who have influenced me mm-hmm. um there'd be there would be ooh, wow i got a the list is pretty long scott i'll tell you the truth maybe um, you're maybe if you could pick a top was, uh, one or two yeah i'll uh well if if i got to pick I got I got to go at least three deep. Okay. Um, okay, that's great. The first one would be my dad, of course. Sure, absolutely. Uh, my dad was um, instrumental, of course, in how I try to do things, and um, he 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 set a really really good example for me um, when it comes to. And I don't know that I, I don't think I've really measured up to this, but he set a really good example for work ethic and, um, you know, the, the hard work that men do that is for the benefit of somebody else. And, uh, I just remember all those times when, um, I was laying up in the bed and he was already up and getting in that battle gas truck and going to work. And a lot of times during the wintertime, I'd already be in the bed when he came home. And, uh, so he, you know, he, he had a major impact on how I try to do things. And so that, you know, that that's where it all started. And then I, uh, I, after I got out of high school, um, went to college, went to junior college for a couple of years and then decided that, coaching was what I wanted to do uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Troy and uh, coach Larry Blakeney uh, being from Gordo uh, I played with he didn't really know me he knew 
he knew daddy and uh he knew um some of the other people who knew me and i played football in high school with his nephews and he was fortunate enough to you know a great hearted great guy like him uh some kid from home calls him and wants to learn how to coach you know i didn't know this then but knowing what i know now he was gonna he would be he was more than willing to try to help somebody and uh, i'll never forget it because i figured that him being as busy as he was and i had you know him playing at gordo and and one before i was born and then you know, playing at Auburn and then coaching at Auburn all those years, and then getting the head co- coaching job at Troy. You know, he was a he was a larger than life kind of person for me. Right. And uh, I I was I called. You know, I I'm finished. It's the summer after my second year of junior college, and I'm I'm trying to figure out what to do. And um, there's another story about how that all happened. If we get time, so maybe not today, but some other time. But I felt like calling and leaving him a message wasn't going to do it. And I had to try to get him on the phone and talk to him myself um, or this wasn't going to happen. And if this didn't happen, I didn't know what – I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know what plan B was going to be. And so I'm at home, and it's summertime, and I spent all morning long trying to get him on the phone. And – I, I must have talked to his secretary. I know I called six times, maybe eight over the course, you know, from eight to 12 that morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time she'd say, you know, he, he's busy right now, kind of take a message. No, ma'am, I'll call back. Okay. And finally, I'd done given up. And uh, I called. She answered. I asked to speak to Coach Blake. And she said, he's busy right now, can of take a message. I said, yes, ma'am. Gave her my name and my number and told her thank you and hung up the phone. And I went and we live, you know, growing up where I did, we live out in the country. And so there's always um, work to be done. So I was frustrated and I went outside. I went to the shed. I grabbed a weed eater. I filled it up with gas and I cranked it up and I cut, I weed eated like a madman. <laughs> until the gas tank was empty and then i fill that sucker up again and i cranked it up and i weed eated like a madman until the gas tank was empty and by that time i was exhausted so i put the thing back in the shed and went inside and cleaned up and flopped down on the couch and i'm trying to figure out what plan b is going to be and sure enough the phone rings and i answer it and it's larry blakeney and he he called me back you know he didn't have to do that he called me and asked me, you know, he asked me, he knew that I had played with his nephews and uh, knew that I was from Gordo and everything. We got to talking and uh, he said, are you want to try to play? And I said, no, sir, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to play. My playing days are over. What I want to do is learn how to coach. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, well, if being a coach is what you want, then we'll give you a chance to earn that. So you come on down and uh, sit and visit with me one day when you get a chance, and then we'll figure out what to do next. And so about two weeks later, we, we drove down and visited with him, and um, he wanted me to just just get registered for school. And uh, then when school starts and you get all settled, you come see me. And uh, I registered 
and I went down and registered and got all my stuff together and walked over to the field house and he sent me straight down to the equipment manager uh, to give me a bunch of Troy State University coaching gear and that was the rest of the story for the next four years. That's awesome. And uh, so without him and everything that I've learned from him and all of the lessons that he taught us and the support and uh, belief that he had in me, um, I could never repay. And so he, he, he's, he's the, the reason why I am where I am. It's good stuff. Um, and then of course he helped me get my first job at Walton high school in Defuniac Springs, Florida. And I went to work for the third guy that was the most influential person in my life and coaching career. And that was a guy named Bill Regal. Uh, and I talked to coach Regal two weeks ago and, uh, he, he retired, um, I guess four years ago now. And, uh, he's the, he was the age I am now when I went to work for him oh, wow. at Walton. And, uh, I worked for him for six years and I watched him, I watched him lead a football team that averaged going to the playoffs once a decade, uh, into, uh, we went to the playoffs for four straight years out of the six that I was there. We didn't go the first year. We didn't go the last year, but we went the, the four in a row in between. Uh, and uh, so that that was uh, – I watched him just through sheer willpower and leadership and refusal to be denied, um, you know, put, put that football team in a position where – we were contenders and I learned what it meant um, to watch film and be a student of the game and to not get in, try to not, you know, and, and I've had to go back and relearn these lessons and I've made mistakes numerous times. And I remember what he said. And if I had just listened, then I could have avoided some of the heartache that uh, I've had to go through, but that's just part of living, I guess. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, things like, you know, watching film and, and what it means to uh, invest in kids and build relationships and to work hard and to um, one of the things that people probably don't give him enough credit for is trying to stay on the leading edge of trends in football and not and you, and you can't do everything because you may not have the kids. To, you may not have the skill set with a group of kids to do some of the stuff that's out there on the leading edge, you know, and trends in high school football and things like that. But if you do, then it's best to, to be on the leading edge of that and try to stay ahead, you know, of the competition and that kind of thing and, and do what you can to give your kids the best chance to be competitive. Because it was with him that I really learned um, – what the spread offense was all about. Okay. Because when I first went to work for him, um, we were um, we were mainly an eye formation team, tight end, under center, two backs, you know, running uh, ISO and right. power and toss sweep and counter and all that kind of stuff out of the out from under center. And then we would get in the shotgun uh, and that kind of thing, run some, you know, drop pass concepts and things like that. Um, but we just, we got to the point where we, we just couldn't line up in the eye 
and compete against the people that we were playing against. And so we went, his brother, um, Dan, coached at America's High School over here in Georgia. So we left a few Nyack Springs one morning and drove to America's Georgia and got a hotel room and went to America's High School and spent two days um, with his brother Dan learning the spread offense. Okay. Because Dan had been down to Valdosta and had learned it from Hal Mummy when yeah. he was down there yeah. and brought it back just exactly like they ran it at Valdosta. And so um, just a few weeks ago when the uh, XFL was still playing games and Hal Mummy was calling plays over the microphone and you could hear what he was calling, uh-huh. I know what Blue 92 is. <laughs> Blue 92 was the exact same as it was in 1994 and, and prior to that. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But um, – so we, but my point, my point with all of that was that, that Coach Regal recognized the fact that we can't continue to do what we've always done and right. compete. We got to try to do better by our kids than that. So let's go learn something new. Right. Um, and then, of course, that um, later on would lead to after I left Walton, and um, that would later on Coach Regal and I would reconnect again, and we had both um, become familiar with the Tony Franklin system right. by then, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so, and that was uh, that was just another um, another example of you know trying to take it to the next level as far as looking for everything that we could find to try to give our kids a chance to be competitive. But um, you know, that's just a few of the things that, that I learned from Coach Regal. And uh, like I said, I just talked to him on the phone a couple of weeks ago uh, and caught up with him for a few minutes. Um, he was he was another one uh, that was very very influential in um, my life and coaching career and um kind of where reason why i am where i am yeah those are uh those are fascinating stories and and i know um i know you said something about even could go into another story for another day and one thing that i'm thinking because i'm looking at our little outline that we had here where we may go in discussion and i don't even think we're halfway through so we may have to split at some point and we'll do this again if it's okay with you but uh we we were uh, we were taught you were talking and i picked up something that you said i think it was from coach ragel about investing into the players and investing into the young people and so i'm going to kind of turn this into a direction and i i didn't really didn't really prepare you for this part. I mean, you have a little bit on the uh, outline about the question I'm going to ask, but I had reached out to some young folks. Um, I, they're not young anymore, but they were young when you and I were in the school <laughs> working. And uh, young people who played ball for you, uh, who you taught in the history class and were at South Mar School when you were here, and I just kind of put out a question, you know, maybe give me a few words about Coach Carroll. Um, and I was fascinated because a couple of weeks ago when I did my first podcast and I was wanting to do the senior edition, we've got like 40 something seniors in our class and I'd reached out to all of them about giving me like a little shout out to using this thing. And out of 40 something kids, I got responses from three, which is not a really good percentage. And, but in this case, when I reached out to ask about words about coach Carroll, uh, I reached out to eight kids, eight young people, and I quickly got eight responses. I mean, really fast, <laughs> I got I got responses. And kind of going through here, I highlighted some stuff that they said, 
probably just going to use first names on this. I didn't really ask about the putting on the podcast, but uh, Andrew was one that I talked to, and some things he said. He said he's the best life lesson teacher and motivator that I've ever had in my life. Stuff he taught me through coaching has helped me get to where I'm at today, for sure. I also talked with Michael, and he said Coach Carroll led us using Christian values. Even when he corrected his players, you always knew it was coming from a loving place. So many coaches try to lead and correct using fear and intimidation, but not Coach Carroll. I'll be forever grateful to him for the life lessons I learned while playing for him. I also talked with Jeremy. He said uh, Coach Carroll was a man of integrity who taught us about more than football. One of the first things he told us in our first meeting with him was that he wanted to develop us into men of God, good husbands, good fathers, and productive citizens. And if he does that, he said he felt like he was doing his job. Uh, I talked to a young man, Alan, and he did not play uh, football, but he was a student and he was going to play, I think, the next year for you. But he said he was so much more than a history teacher or coach, he instilled character. Uh, as a role model, uh, someone to hold in high respect, compassionate about influencing not only his students or his players, but the community. Uh, his isms still come up to mind day to day, like the right thing is never the easiest thing to do. Then I talked with another student, uh, Allie, and uh, said that it says a lot about a teacher who would still come see you after you have a baby in the hospital teaching you years ago. Uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate all the godly influencers that I've had in my life, and he's definitely one of the top on my list as favorites. Definitely my favorite teacher in school, special man, always will be special to me. I uh, spoke with a former player, Daniel, said coach never treated anyone differently. It didn't matter if you were a starter or a bench warmer. He always expected the same. He was an outstanding man. Another young man, uh, Aaron, and I think you gave him a nickname that he still goes by today. We'll just go ahead and call him Crunk Man. But uh, he said he thinks the world of you, a uh, big part of his life and Daniel's life. And even though he didn't play it under you, he looked up to him as well and said he stopped going to the games for two or three years after you left. So that was something that, uh, that was a nice takeaway. And then this next one may have some edits in it because I was telling Janice, I said, how in the world am I going to read this? And I was reading it to her and it kind of kind of choked me up a little bit, but I'm going to try to do it. And uh, if I have to edit it, I will. But uh, this came from um, Tyron. I, we know him as Doobie. Uh, but yep. when I asked about you, he said, well, first off, I got to include Miss Carol because without her, there's no Coach Carol from my experience. Said... Uh, was a coach Carroll was a guy who had one facial expression and was hard to make bluff said um, said that apparently he wasn't playing his sophomore year and I think that uh, y'all kind of recruited him to play and then the rest is history and he, he played well for you but he said he got introduced to to you and then to Miss Carroll and he talked about how Miss Carroll was like a second mother to him uh, think about her all the time uh, never felt another woman other than his mother who loved and cared for him like she did. Said he was struggling in school with grades and she took time out of her days and helped him after practice until he came home. Made sure he had something to eat and everything and said the kids like little sisters to him. 
said, I still praise them because they are some of the reasons I am who I am today, and I'll never forget them. I never have seen a coach who cared so much about a student, not just because of football, but because of who they are. He said he hates that they never got that state championship for you, but every time you stepped out of the field house, uh, you let it be known that if you're not here to go after a state title, then you need to be somewhere else. And I ended up saying, oh, straw hat, a ring from Troy on his finger, short shorts, don't know about that, whistle in his mouth at all times. Uh, he said, love you, coach, and thank you. So reaching out and hearing and, and getting these words from your former students and your former players, um, there's more than a coach thing going here. You know, coaches come and go, teachers come and go, but some people have impact on young people's lives. And it's obvious from you and your coaching philosophy and your style that you see your calling to coach young people being more than just coaching them to win games or how to correctly block or how to correctly set their feet when they're going to throw a pass or how to run a route from the uh, from the route tree or anything like that. It seems like you see your coaching calling as a ministry and I was going to put that in the form of a question am I right on that and maybe talk a little bit about that philosophy and how you kind of transition your coaching to ministry to young people yeah well I gotta get it together here um, that um I don't know what to say about some of that I swear um I think that uh, I appreciate all those kids and uh, they're all like you said they're all grown now got families of their own um the fact that they even think about me at all anymore um is make makes a grumpy old football coach feel pretty good um but i you know they i think they're being very gracious you know and uh i'm glad that uh, that they have those fond memories but you know it was uh it wasn't perfect and i wouldn't you know i wouldn't and i could have been a lot better and um, there were, you know, I'm plenty of times when I didn't do the right thing and I, and I wish that I had always, um, but we did try to do right by the kids. And I say we, because, um, Allison was a big part of that. She right. was a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, and it wasn't, it, it just kind of happened. You know, it wasn't anything that, that we really talked about. It just kind of happened because that's who she is and how she does things. She's doing it for kids right now. You know, it was, uh, we tried to use that position that we had to try to build relationships with some kids and let them know that they were more important to us than for just what they could do on the field. You know, we wanted them to know that, that they were important to us and that, that we were there for them and that, um, you know, we wanted we wanted the best for them. And, um, we tried to build that relationship and spend time with them. And um, I'll never forget all those times that we, we would have kids over to the house. When you, when you, when you coach single league football and you only got about 40 kids, you can, you know, do like we did and have a big get together at your house uh, before the season starts and bring the whole team in. I remember and, uh, those. That's what we did. And, uh, yeah, because some of them would be parked in your yard. <laughs> that's um, right. And, 
in den on Thursday nights. It was a sweet deal the way Alabama had it set up. Uh, we can't do it over here because we play all our sub varsity games on Thursday nights. But we would play our J- our junior high games on Tuesday night, and then later on um, we would and we picked this up from the coaching clinic that we went to. We would have uh, practice. We'd have our Thursday practice before school on Thursday morning, and because uh, it was going to be short anyway, and we could do everything that we needed to do in the morning, be sharp, get it done, go through all the special teams, you know, make sure we got everything covered. And then any kids that were struggling in the classroom, we'd have study hall for them. And then the ones that were fine, they got the afternoon off. And so, um, and then we'd have about a, we'd have a certain number of seniors and usually one junior um, come over to the house after study hall on Thursday night. And uh, Allison would cook for them, and then we'd watch the first half of whatever Thursday night college game was on um, ESPN that night. And then at halftime, they'd leave and uh, go home to go to bed and get ready for Friday morning. And uh, so that was, you know, having, and then while we were there, we made it a point. You know, if the kids had a question or if they asked a question or something, of course, I would answer it. But I always tried to, at my house, um, talk about something other than football and uh, just, you know, ask them a question and then find out about something that they were interested in and talk about it, you know. Uh, And so, you know, that. Whatever it was, I don't have a clue. That everything under the hood of a car is an absolute, total, complete mystery to me. But if a kid, if that was his thing, then I'd let him tell me all about it. And uh, I learned a lot. And uh, I never, I'd never duck hunted before. Learned how to duck hunt while I was there. And, uh, and if you've never, if you hunt at all, and you've never done that, don't, because you will spend a bunch of money on it. <laughs> you're gonna get hooked on it. So I can just tell you that right now, a little public service announcement on that deal. Because um, I never thought I'd like it until I went the first time. Right. And, uh, so it was, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, and I learned that from Coach Rangel. And, uh, the, uh, you know, doing what you can for kids. And uh, I, that, I don't know if you remember, I know white truck I drove when I was at South Lamar. But oh, yeah. That was the I was, you know, you don't make a whole lot of money coming and teaching high school, so I was still driving that car. I, I drove that truck home from college, <laughs> and I was still driving it four years ago, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But um, the, uh, I, I don't know. I wish I knew how many kids have been hauled around in that old truck. <laughs> That's right. That's what I thought about. That's what I thought about when the when the junkyard guy came and hauled it off from my house. Uh huh. That's what I thought about was how many kids rode. And I, when I first started coaching, when I was at Walton, I used to haul them around in the back. I'd have one in the front, all my stuff, and then four or five of them in the back. You can't do that now. Of course. Right. Back then, i just haul them through the neighborhood, slow down, come to almost a stop, and whoever's house we were at would hop out, and then we'd keep going, and I'd drop them all off. I'd get to the end of the street, and I'd be empty, and then I'd go on home. And, uh, you know, and, and did that um, at South Lamar, too. And, uh, have, uh, you know, just things like that, trying to do what kids need. And that, that's sometimes hard because um, what they sometimes need is not what they always going to like. Right. And so if you don't have, if you don't have the relationship to fall back on, then 
it uh, it makes it hard. And I didn't understand that early on. And uh, it caused me some problems uh, when I was first starting out. Um, but I learned that, you know, from Coach Regal, from working for him for those six years and uh, <clears throat> hanging out with him and listening to him and trying to learn and those kinds of things. And so, it, you know, it's just like any other human relationship. You, you know, nobody likes to be used. And uh, right. so, you know, it's got, there has to be a relationship there yes. that you can fall back on to get through those tough times because, you know, and there, there's going to be tough times. And, um, the, and football is a good preparation for that because there's all kind of adversity that you're going to have to over, learn how to overcome in a football game. And, um, that's nothing, you know, compared to the kind of adversity you face in the real life when, um, when you don't have any kind of umbrella really, and it's just you and you got to handle it. And, uh, that's right. So that, you know, it's an emotional game and, uh, it's, um, you know, I've, I've been plenty of times when I've gone into the locker room after practice or after a game, and walked up beside a kid and say, Hey, you mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Right. And then other times when I'd walk up beside one, Hey, you mad at me? No, coach. I ain't mad. You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. And you know, that if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a relationship to to base that on, then you know it's just a transaction. You know, it's just a I'm doing this and you're gonna do it for me and right. that kind of thing. And so I, I tried to try to make sure that they understood that they didn't have to earn me caring about them. That, that was a done. That was a given. Yes. And I didn't always do a good job of you know doing that. And I'm sure that they're that they don't all feel that way, but. I tried to, Allison and I both um, tried to do that and still try to do it. And uh, I just believe that that's, that's part of it. And, you know, in the system, um, the, uh, it's hard to, you know, a ministry deal is you got to be careful in the right. public school system because sure. of uh, the situation. You know that that we're in as as far as state employees and things like that, and so. Uh, but you know, uh, it's like I was watching a video uh, a while back. It's a YouTube video by John Maxwell, and uh, he said, you know, because years ago he stepped away from pastoring and started teaching leadership in the secular world, and um, he will teach that group of people, you know, about leadership and then wait for one of them to ask, where did you get all this stuff? And then he'll tell oh, you, you're not ready for that. You don't want to know. You know, and he'll make them ask two or three times and then he'll tell them. And he said, look, you can, you can teach a biblical principle without mentioning the verse that it came from, you know, just simply by, application and that kind of thing and so you know that you can do you can do that because you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, there's a wealth of information in the bible about uh how to treat people and uh things like that and so that's right um that is you know that is 
you know, we do as much as we can and uh, try to do try to do what's right. Yeah, you uh, and you do a good job with it. A couple of things I'm picking up on that, you know, totally different realms, but the youth ministry and some of the things that you said uh, largely go step in step with the way that you your coaching or your uh, leadership of young folks philosophy goes. And that comes around the building of relationships because really in anything, nobody really cares what you have to say or what you're trying to sell if they don't know that you care about them. And, you know, with that and and investing the time and spending the time and, you know, it was kind of the same situation. I didn't quite have as many kids in the youth group as you had on football team and students and all that. But, you know, our house was always open door philosophy to young folks. Anybody who wanted to grow a relationship with us, we, we had open door. And and several relationships with young folks was developed because that was always our ministry philosophy with, with young people is to let them know that they were loved. And, um, yeah, you're right. Sometimes some of the things that young folks need to hear is not what they want to hear. And uh, to get to that point, it comes a whole lot better if they know in the beginning that you love and you care about them first before that comes. And, and um, yeah, I thinking about it even through the years, I've seen and I've learned even more, um, not only in youth ministry, but in music ministry and whatever. I remember a young guy came to do a, a youth rally for us and I was used to when I've had musical groups or speakers or people come from youth things or maybe a concert or something like that and you know before the concert most of the time these folks are back behind stage and doing whatever maybe getting ready preparing themselves maybe having times of prayer I I don't know what they're doing back there but uh, when this young man came the thing that got me I was watching him and before it was the, the night that it was time to start. Uh, I noticed way beforehand as the students were arriving, because we had people come from all churches all over the place, and he and the folks that were in his band came out, and they were just walking around talking. I mean, they would sit in the pews and spend, you know, minutes and minutes, and I'm, you know, not just a casual, hey, how are you doing, but like really sitting down with those young folks and then having a conversation with him about that. You know, he's talking about, well, I'm fixing, I, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to present the gospel of these and I'm going to present a, uh, a tough message for some of them to swallow. And it's going to be a whole lot easier for them to swallow if they know that I truly care about them first, uh, that I really, I'm not here just for a, a gig, I'm not here just for a payday, and, and I'm here because I care about them. And that comes in the same, you know, hey, you know it and I know it. There's a lot of folks on the teacher or the coach's payroll that are just there to get a check. You know, I mean, that's that's the way it goes. But um, but I know that they knew that you cared about them, and and that was huge. You were able to build those uh, relationships. It sounds like you've got a bird or something going on there. Yeah, yeah, I'm out here on the patio. And, uh, <laughs> okay. It's... Uh, that one is particularly loud and close by. Oh, that's okay. Um, now, that's funny. I was just here, and then at first I thought you were whistling. I thought, what in the world? But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so all those philosophies go together. And then talking about the faith, too, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you, you can minister to young people, and they can know and pick up quickly that you're a Christian without 
having to have a Bible on your desk without having to open it up and read a scripture. And then on the flip side, you know, everything that you talk about as a state employee, what you can and can't do has everything to do with on state property, you know, like what you're doing on the field and what you're doing in the classroom. But then when you build personal relationships with the players and the families and the students and the families, and that spills over to outside, then you can do what you want to. That's your personal life, you know, and that's their personal life. And, yep. and uh, so it, it all works together. And I know, uh, I know that you see your coaching calling as a ministry. And, yeah, I think what we're going to do, because I had a whole lot, uh, we got a few more things that we were going to go over, but I think we might just kind of come to a closing here in a second. And if you're okay, okay with it, I'll set up another time down the road and we'll we'll take off again because uh, a lot of good stuff here and you're, you're giving a lot of good uh, conversation, a good background, and I enjoy talking with you. And I, I hate to kind of speed through and rush through anything if you're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That'd be great. I'd love to do it again. Well, kind of wrapping this thing up, um, one thing I would like to have in this, since we did talk about your calling as a, as a coach and your calling as in, into ministry, um, do you have uh, maybe a focal verse or a theme verse or a focus scripture that you kind of lean on for uh, your coaching career, your coaching calling? Um, well, the I've always been partial to um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, of course, um, because you know the the reassurance that the plans that God have for us are, are good ones. And, um, so that one's always been good. Um, and then I guess the other one that if I had to pick would be, I can't give you the exact verses, but it's most of the first chapter of Romans. Um, and at some point somebody, and it's, it's a checklist and there's nothing I like better than a checklist. Um, and it, some at some point somebody must ask Paul why people act so crazy, and he says because although they knew God and knew that He existed, they refused to acknowledge Him or give praise to Him, mm. and as a result, He gave them over to uh, futile thinking and a darkened heart to do what ought not to be done. And so, if you take that and reverse it. If we know God exists and we acknowledge Him and we praise Him, then our few our thinking won't become futile. We can renew our minds, and then our hearts won't become darkened. And that's got to be a good thing. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. And some folks in in my circle too will think that I put you up to that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven verse because that's a focal theme of SBM Ministries and. Uh, even the theme music for this podcast is a song that I wrote called The Plan You Have For Me. And um, so somebody may cry, cry foul, but you didn't know that going into that. That uh, <laughs> No, no, I didn't. <laughs> that that's a, a center sure core did. piece to uh, a centerpiece to a ministry. But, well, Brad, I appreciate you taking this time. We've been on here for over an hour. And, uh, I'm thankful for you giving that time, and I, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I look forward to our next time, and uh, we'll we'll get something set up down the road. And anybody listening to this, because when we when we put this episode out, I'm gonna tag you, and so there may be some people in the 
uh, Georgia area that starts listening to this too. But anybody that's hearing this podcast, if you want to make sure you don't miss any other episodes, especially when Coach Carol and I get back together, if you'll click subscribe, whether you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast or Stitcher or however you're listening to this podcast, if you'll click subscribe, then you'll be notified when the next episode of SBM Studios podcast drops and you'll make sure that you won't miss it. But I uh, just appreciate everybody that uh, listens to our podcast uh, subscribe and support share with your friends and uh, brad it's been a pleasure i really thank you for your time and uh, you mean the world to me and my family and i appreciate your friendship and and uh, you're definitely in my inner inner innermost circle and i uh, just thankful for uh, the friendship that god blessed me with when he did send you down this way to our little corner of the woods and look forward to the years years to come yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I really do. I appreciate you um, always being there for me when I needed somebody to talk to, even if I was five hours away. And uh, I appreciate you putting the time into this and uh, reaching out to those kids. And I, pre- I thank them for the kind words. And uh, uh, it means a lot to me. And uh, I've really enjoyed this. And uh, I appreciate you asking me to do it. And I'll leave it with this last thought. I reached out to the kids, and I was going to include mine, but I'll put it here as we close. But as far as it goes, and I did, I think I put some stuff out on social media a few months ago, but talking about that checking on and being there. uh, You know, it's always, we get so busy. You mentioned it about not keeping up with people, and and we get so busy, and it's easy to become me-centric. We're focused on what's going on in our little corner of the world, and we forget about things. And I just remember... uh, few months ago with just one particular day you reached out and asked me if I had time for a phone call and when you called you was like yeah I really don't want anything I just wanted to check on you and uh, there's not many people <laughs> there's not many people in this world that give a flip about one another anymore enough to take that time and you know most of the time when you hear from somebody they want something they need something and there's not many times yeah. the phone rings and somebody says yeah I don't need anything. I just wanted to hear from you. I want to make sure you was all right. So I appreciate you. That yeah. that speaks loudly, and uh, you can always call on me for anything that you need. I'll be here for you, too. I appreciate that. I'm going to take you up on that. Yes, sir. And again, we thank everybody for listening to our podcast, the SBM Studios podcast, and uh, we hope you all have a blessed rest of the day. God bless you. We'll catch you next time.